Hello, and welcome back to West Coast Roundup, Episode 3. I'm your host, Sam Blon. I've been off the last couple weeks, but happy to be back. Had some more time now, and hopefully we'll get back to once a week. But let's get right into it. So into the power rankings, not too much changed. We only had two teams flip spots, but we'll get into it. Gonzaga, still up in first, 10-2. and two. Lost to two really good teams, top four team. Or top, I think they're top 10 team in the nation. They've been uh, playing very well recently. BYU, number two. I think BYU, they've had to change how they play their game, but they are still a dangerous team. Um, and so that Creighton's not a terrible loss, and their other loss is not that bad. Utah Valley is a really good team that's going to push the WAC championship. I don't think it's as bad. It's it's not the best-looking loss, but it's not the worst thing. Number three, this is the first change. San Francisco moves up a spot. Yes, they just lost their first game in Grand Canyon, but they still almost won that game, even though they played terrible. They shot three for 17 from three that game. They still almost won it. Come back the next day, beat a Pac-12 team in Arizona State. No slouch, uh, even though Pac-12's down and Arizona State's down. Still a good win because Arizona State really was uh, playing well recently. So San Francisco, I moved up to number three. Number four, St. Mary's. They drop a spot. I really expected them to win versus San Diego State. Um, BYU, this is tw- two years in a row now. BYU's beat them, and then St. Mary's had trouble against them. The just they couldn't find a way to score, and that's that's a problem that people were looking at coming into the year. I mean, three point shooting, being being able to score the ball. We know they're great defensively, but offensively, can they keep up to you know their efficiency and finding easy buckets and playing methodically? And it slows them down, but we'll see how they do coming back after that. Number five, Santa Clara. No change here. I mean, I think they're the clear number five team in the conference. Um, between Santa Clara and the rest of it, I think this is where you see a split a little bit. Santa Clara's a good team when they get going. They've struggled. Some of their players have struggled recently, and uh, some other ones are starting to step up. But, I mean, if some things were different, I think if Rankic was with them the entire year, their record would be... I think they'd shave off a loss or two and their record would be right up there with uh, some of the top guys or top teams in the conference so santa clara number five number six keep them there lmu have a lot of talent on that team but hasn't come together like everyone thought they would and but they're still not a bad team um couple great wins smu tulsa um but they they're they're at six number seven san diego team I'm starting to get closer to LMU. I think San Diego, especially if uh, Wayne McKinney keeps on emerging for them, they, they can push LMU for that number six spot. Number eight, this is another change, Pepperdine. Pepperdine, five and eight. Yes, may not have the best record. I moved them up above Portland, who I have at the nine at eight and six. Pepperdine's starting to knock off three wins in a row. Looking better, playing better. I think there's there's a lot of talent there. I mean, I've talked about the freshman. Maxwell Lewis is now back. He got eligible finally, and he's playing great. Their freshman trio is great. Yan Zedek can score. Jade Smith is a slept-on player. Pepperdine has pieces. Um, next year, wouldn't surprise me if they shoot for a top-five top finish in the conference right after rebuilding. So we'll see how that goes. Portland, 9. They drop spots. Uh, I mean, they start off the season, I think, 8-3. and three. I think they've dropped uh, two or three in a row now. Playing mm, harder teams, yeah, but also, I mean, their conference, their schedule on com wasn't that hard. So now you're starting to see uh, Portland drop off even 
a little bit better competition, and you're starting to see the true Portland team. Good offensively, terrible defensively. Number 10, I have Pacific. They haven't changed. Just not very inspiring. There's not much to look at there. Um, they're not very good at anything. They're just kind of plain. Don't have a good big. Don't really have great shooting. Uh, I mean, it's just um, it's just a not mediocre team, but just a team that I think isn't going to. They're going to struggle in this West Coast Conference year, and I don't think they. I mean, you've seen them versus some of the other teams that uh, West Coast Conference opponents have beat. They've struggled. I mean, five and eight. Their best win, the UCSB win, was really good. But then they've had games where they just don't look uh, very inspired. And, I mean, we'll see. Leonard Perry kind of got shoved in last minute there. You know, Damon Stoudemire leaving. So he didn't really have much time to maybe fix the roster how he likes it. He did recruit some of these guys. So, obviously, he, he likes them. But it's different trying to instill your own culture there. So I'd say give them a little bit more time. I think as the year goes on, maybe they get better. Getting into team notes now, BYU, like I was saying, uh, recently noticed better offensively. A um, lot more three-point dependent. That's what happens when you lose a lot of your post players, but they have been hitting. And I'm, their potential, like they can hit shots. Uh, we saw it last year in the West Coast Conference Tournament, almost beating Gonzaga. They were they were shooting a lot of threes, and they're hitting them. This team is capable of doing that, and you have the pieces with Nell, Knight. Knight's starting to play better. He's looking a lot more comfortable in his new role. Uh, he's switched positions. This is not in how he plays. This role is different for him. And so he's trying to get more comfortable in it. And that's a big guy to watch out for because, like, S- at San-, San Jose State, I mean, he's averaging 19 points almost. He was a third-team all-Mountain West Conference player. He's really good scorer, has that potential, and so... BYU, you know, you lose a couple players. Hopefully, you you hope some people will fill that gap. And uh, Seneca Knight's a guy that still I don't think has reached his potential yet, and he could be a big piece for this BYU team. Loner hasn't really performed where I expected. I thought he was gonna get that three point shot locked in. I really thought he was gonna step up to become a star for him. Kinda, kinda has been the same almost as last year. Hasn't really made that jump yet. Um, Fouls a lot, three and a half fouls a game, but still a really good player. Spencer Johnson has been the surprise for me this year. He's been fantastic for him, uh, shooting the three ball at 50%. I mean, does a little bit of everything, I feel like, for him. And off the bench, he's just a great energy player. They came in in similar situation to St. Mary's, beat a really good Utah State team. That Utah State win is great. And then they come in versus Creighton. Creighton's a team that can hit the three. They did hit it versus BYU, beating them. But then BYU has another bo- nice bounce back win versus Weber State, who's no slouch. They're looking like they're going to win their conference. So that's a good win. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how they do in the future without the bigs and seeing them continue to become more of just the small ball team and how they can adjust defensively because they've struggled defensively recently, giving up seven. They're giving up more than I think they want to. But that's what's going to happen when you don't have a true uh, big on the interior like Gavin Baxter or Richard Harward. So seeing those two, we'll see how they develop as the year goes on. It's an interesting team. I like them a lot, though. I think with their three-point ability, playing small ball. I mean, they have the players to play small ball. George with, like I said, Knight with Triore, Loner. They have the players that can rebound even though they're smaller and still stretch the floor. 
So it'll be really interesting to see how BYU uh, develops over the year. Gonzaga, Anton Watson, is playing some of the best basketball of his career right now. He The last three games, he has played just as good as he did. And this is going to be his freshman year, his first couple games before he had a soldier, uh, shoulder injury and then had to get surgery on it, he was playing fantastic. And he has gone back to that confidence level that has been missing the last two years, ever since he came back from the injury and then last year. It's been missing. And the beginning of this year is missing. But right now, he is playing with so much confidence. And already they had this guy that was great defensively. Anton Watson was someone they were playing defensively because he's so active. His hands are always moving. He's very quick with his hands. He gets steals. But now he's added offensive element to his game and playmaking. His passing has been fantastic recently. Um, he's always been a good passer, but now it's starting to show. And he's played his best three-game stretch of his career right now. And it's it's big time for Gonzaga because they need that. Um, defensively, they've locked in. The last three games, 55-55-49 scored against them. And I think this is something Gonzaga should focus on more. Offensively, I don't think this team is as good as past teams, but they have the ability defensively to be much better than the last couple years. I mean, you have Chet in the back who's going to clean up anything. Like I said, Anton's a really good defender. And their freshman guards aren't quite there yet offensively, but defensively, Hickman and Salas are fantastic. Um, so I think Gonzaga should try and really dive and accept, uh, dive into this defensive mindset um, rather than being that offensive team they're known for. I think if they really buy into the defense, that is how they will get their way to the championship this year rather than buying into it. We're just going to out outpace, outrun, outgun any team because i don't think that's the type of team they are this year as you saw versus alabama they got outran and outgunned and um so i just think that really they should uh bind defense and try and make themselves you know pri- take some pride on that end of the floor and i think that would be better off from in the long run lmu douglas came back which is huge he's fantastic i had him as a west coast conference all west coast conference player and he's been great, but since he since he was gone, Quintana was playing good. But the last three games, he's really cooled off. Um, he's kind of s- struggled offensively. Also, think I mean, you, this team has no big man. Another issue. I think it's hard to play college basketball these days when you don't have a true big man. Um, and if you're not going to have a true big man, then you got to have some shooting. And LMU is not that great of a shooting team. The other thing is. I mean, I had LMU third going into the year, so I've been they've been disappointing in my standards, but really I think the big problem was I put a lot of expectations on their transfers to come in, and they're just not performing to that level that was expected of them. I thought Cam Sheldon could possibly push for a West Coast Conference second team. I thought he was going to come in, give them the point guard they need, and also, you know, he's, he was scoring a lot last year. He was a great scorer, but this year just hasn't really translated. He's only up Seven points a game. And so it's really Kwame Marble. He hasn't done too much. Just none of their transfers have performed to what I thought they were going to. Um, and then that combined with just really that no no big man. Last year they had the 7-3 Marcuson. This year they have 6-10 Merck. Um, Merck Villa. I can't, I'm butchering his name. Um but the six six nine transfer Alex Merkvillades. I'm sorry if I miss how I'm badly I butcher his name, but it's the transfer from UNC Northridge, or Cal State Northridge. 
He really hasn't done much. I thought he was going to be a little bit better. In fact, I predicted him in the future. I think he's going to be all-conference maybe. But it hasn't really shown. Um, And so these transfers who everyone placed, I think, big expectations on. ESPN, I think Borzello said they were one of the, like, they were a transfer winner. And I thought so too. But then, so far, it hasn't looked like a winner. They have struggled. Um, And that was a big part of why everyone thought LMU was going to take that jump. So, I mean, if you realign your expectations now and you look, I guess they didn't really add stars through Transporo, but good role players and and you looked at what they have, I guess where they are at now makes more sense. But still, I think they have underperformed a little bit. Now, I think it... Not Stan Johnson is so good at promoting the program. I think it created even more hype. Personally for me, I mean, he is so good at social media and getting just, you know, fans excited. And so as I saw the stuff, I'm like, oh, it, it kind of, I think... All, even their fans, everyone had higher expectations because they were even promoting from within this this bid for a bubble, for a bubble making the tournament. And so even from within, I think uh, they placed higher expectations than where they should have been, um, which is not wrong. You shoot for the stars, but um, but yeah, it's really created a big disappointment now that you're seeing where they're at um, compared to where they were expected to be. Pacific, Nick Blake, he was the player I was most excited for transferring in. I Alfonso Anderson I was also excited for. I thought he was going to be a really good player, but Nick Blake was the guy. One of the younger players on the team that is full of older transfers, I thought he was going to be a good player, and now he's starting to show it. He's starting to get some more minutes, starting to get some starts now. He's been good for him, but they have a similar problem to LMU. Uh, no force down low. They really do not have anyone down low that can dictate the game, help them defensively. So they're playing some of these bigger te- teams with bigger players. North Dakota State University has Rocky Cruiser. I mean, Cal State Fullerton had EJ Anasiki, who was, used to be fantastic rebounder over at some NEC school. And San Jose State has some taller players, but they struggled. Um, the UCSB win, I said this earlier, fantastic win. But other than that, in the last five games, they've dropped four. Um, and it's four I wouldn't really expect them to. They shouldn't be four losses. Um, sure, they're decent teams, but I think you got you got to perform better. Um, and like I said, Larry Perry, he kind of got he was short notice going into the year, but I mean at Idaho, he struggled. I mean, got, got didn't last there. But this, uh, I think Pacific should give him another year because, I mean, he didn't like I said didn't really have time. I think he should get another year, but. He needs to create a culture there. I mean, they, they're not very good at anything. I guess they're decently defensive. They're decent defensively, but they they haven't don't they don't thrive specifically anywhere. If I look at sports reference, or I get a lot of my stats, they're not top one hundred in any team category. Steals, blocks, rebounds, offensive rebounds. There's not top one hundred anything. Closest they are is in free throw attempts and then their points per game points allowed per game which is in like the 150s for both. So, I mean, I think Pacific's got to really focus in somewhere and instead of just, you know, they just aren't really special anywhere. So I think uh, he's got to create a culture there. Pepperdine, very excited about them. Their future is looking bright. Like I said, coming into the year, I didn't expect much from this team. In fact, I had them predict, I predicted them last place because they were bringing back 
no, like nobody that was a huge player on their team last year. Yan Zedek, I expect to be their top player or top scorer. He has he has a good three point shot. A little bit of post moves now. He's starting to show it. They'll they'll po- play him in the post a lot. But last three games, they've got three wins. Uh, they're starting to turn it around after having a big losing stretch in the middle of this non conference schedule. Maxwell Lewis has been playing great. He's looking like that third really good freshman I thought he was going to be. I put him in the top ten transfer or top ten freshman for the year. I thought he was going to be very good. I mean, it's a guy that can hit the three, but not only that, he's super athletic. He's incredibly athletic. So match him with, you know, the other two freshmen that are performing well, and you have the most exciting, I think, besides Gonzaga and their freshmen, but you have the most exciting recruiting class in the West Coast Conference this year, and they're all going to come back. I, I'd be shocked if any of them left because they're playing so well, and, I mean, Lorenzo Romar is giving them the playing time and freedom they get. Keith Fisher recently has been a rebounding machine. He's starting to really take on that role of uh, just getting his game boards, and I think that's what they needed from him because uh, they lost Kessler, who got them boards last year, and uh, Kene Chuguku. So Keith Fisher, I mean, they bring in – he's super ath- – he's a ath- really athletic power forward, so I'm glad to see him doing well. And then an unsung hero of this team is Jada Smith, a fifth-year player. He's been fantastic for him. Uh, does a little bit of everything, and especially recently, he's starting to get his scoring going. Um, but he's a really good player for him. I think Pepperdine, I moved him up a spot. I think it's fair because this team has talent. Um, the one thing, they had a lot of question marks coming into the year about who's going to step up, how are they going to, you know. Not much was given, but you knew one thing, and it was that they have talent on this team. Uh, they are very talented, just very young. And so it's Fun to see Pepperdine. Like I, I thought, I figured they would, but because they're so young. But you get see them get get better uh, over the entire season. You're starting to see them really play well. Portland. I was always hesitant about them because this non conference was very weak. Um, besides Oregon and Arizona State, I mean, the rest of it was just n- no team that's really gonna push for a championship anywhere. And so. It was hard to evaluate them, but now you're starting to see uh, some cracks in them as the non-conference has gone down. In their last five games, they are 1-4. Only win is against a Cal Poly team by one point. Lost to Montana State on a buzzer beater. That was tough. Montana State's not terrible, but got smoke, uh, lost by 25 to Oregon. VMI loss. San Jose State loss. In their last five games, they've had three games where they've given up 90 or more points defensively this team has got to figure it out um because offensively they i think they're they're pretty good offensive team um shante has a lot of shooters on them a lot of players that are capable of scoring especially moses wood has been fantastic for him chris austin can score t- going to the rim tyler robinson does a little bit of everything they got four players and double figures and a couple others sojlin's starting to finally figure it out um he came in and Legan said he was their best shooter, best shooter he's ever coached. He's starting to finally get that shooting touch going. But they got to figure it out defensively. It doesn't matter how much you can score. You need to get stops on the defensive end, and they have not been able to do that recently. St. Mary's. Dropped them one, but I don't, I, they have potential to be all the way up to number two by the end of the year. Uh, so I would take that dropping of one spot with grain of salt because this team is good. Destroyed UCSB. Struggled first half versus Cal State, Stanislaus, but then destroyed them the second half. 
And then recent last other last four games, two and two, the two losses, Colorado State, their turning team. Colorado State's a very good team. And then San Diego State University, that one was a little bit more shocking to me. San, San Diego State's a good team, but I think St. Mary's should have won that game. I mean, they, talent-wise and where St. Mary's at, I just thought they were going to win that. I was surprised they didn't. And, I mean, but you look recently, uh, They've struggled shooting. They need Dukas back, playing to the level he was. Dukas, Alex Dukas is their X factor. When he hits threes, this offense opens up, and they're better team. Um, he, I think he's the most important player on the team because no one else can shoot like him. They need Lehman Bockler. He can shoot just as good as Dukas, but he's still injured. He's still trying to come back from that injury. And so right now, he's really stuck with that one three-point. Uh, they have people that can hit the three, but for being a true three-point specialist, it's really just Dukas right now, and he's got to be shooting better. Um, I was expecting him, West Coast Conference second team, still can, but right now he's not playing up to that level. And at the beginning of the year, he's playing great, um, but he's just uh, struggled recently with his three-point shot. And Lee Blockler last year, he's fantastic shooter. Uh, I mean, Texas Southern game, I think he dropped 20 points and missed one three. He was fantastic, hit like five Point five for six or something like that. He's a really good shooter. If they had him this year, it would help so much. And then, good thing though, you're starting to see is Marcellionis is really stepping up. He's been fantastic recently. Um, guy I was really high on. I do think he's going to be the next big St. Mary's guard. And so seeing him step up in his freshman year, and he's continuing to get better, especially offensively over the year. That's going to be big for him. San Diego, they've knocked off a little three-game win streak of their own after struggling recently. I like this team's potential. Recently, Wayne McKinney has stepped up. In those last three games, he has two starts. He's averaged 14 points, three rebounds, three assists, one steal, and two threes a game. Freshman guard's been fantastic. Another freshman that is starting to step up and get uh, used to the college game and get more comfortable. Um, defensively, this team's fantastic. This team defensively is very good. Terrell Brown has taken a step back. He was performing out of this world at the beginning of the year. Um, so it's understandable that he's taken a little bit of a step back. In fact, last game out, they didn't even start him. But you've seen also another player take a step up, and that's Erlington. Erlington has been thriving recently um, for San Diego. And versus NAU, I dropped 22 points. He's been great for him. Um, this San Diego team actually has some good bench depth. Um especially when Wayne McKinney is playing as well as he is. And then you bring off Terrell Brown or Pinchuk. Both of them are playing good. Are playing, they're both capable this year of playing good minutes. And then you got some other shooters, TJ Berger. Uh, they gave him a start. I mean, they're 7-5, and five, but easily I think they could be better uh, than that. They've dropped a few games that I don't think they shouldn't have, like Cal State Northridge. South Alabama, they should have won that game. Cal State Fullerton. This team could easily only have two losses right now, uh, realistically. So it's a really good team. I think San Diego could push up higher, especially depending on how they how they all play down the stretch. But I've been impressed with San Diego. They've been definitely been better than I thought because I had them going into the year second to last. I uh, uh, put them ninth in the conference, but they've definitely performed. I think up to that seven spot right below uh, or even maybe the six. I think maybe they could push LMU to be better than them. So they've been fantastic this year. 
San Francisco. Finally took their first loss of the year. It was disappointing. Lost 48-49. Last second shot missed. Masalski grabbed it midair. Tried to put it back in, but it was too late. Did go in just a little bit too late, which is off. Uh, which is disappointing because they were right there. But it was their own fault. I mean, they terrible shooting. 3 for 17 shooting. Jamari Bouye struggled in the Arizona trip. He had been fantastic all the way up to the season. Really not a bad game. And then kind of dropped two games where he really struggled. Two really good teams, Grand Canyon, Arizona State. But he struggled on that trip. San Francisco dove deeper into their bench. Makes sense. They played back-to-back nights. That's also tough. So I was really impressed with that Arizona State win because not only did you just lose, but you had to come back the next day and play a Pac-12 team. And they managed to squeak it out. They got the win. I mean, Rivney played fantastic. He got minutes. Zane Meeks. Wow, what a game versus Arizona State. This San Francisco, San Francisco team has so many shooting options off the bench with Rish Wayne, Zane Meeks, and Rivney. And even Coonan. Coonan's been playing good. They can upset teams if their three-point shooting stays consistent enough. And Jamari Bouye needs to keep not turn it over. They were turnover-prone versus Arizona State. Turning over way too much. If they stop with the turnovers and they hit their threes, they can beat almost any team. I mean, San Francisco, even though they lost, uh, Joe, Joe Lombardi kept them in the, what is it called? The March produ- projections. He has them projected to make the field as a bubble team. So there's respect for San Francisco. Even after they lost, they got receiving votes. There's, they're a team that's really got the nation's attention. Um, they may not be ranked, but, I mean, to lose a game and still receive votes is impressive. Um, Fresno State game, Jamari Bouye took over down the stretch. That was impressive. You, you have guards, and Khalil Shabazz played great, great versus Arizona State. You have guards that are so good and can carry you even if you have a bad game. So the San Francisco team, I think they're the real deal. I hope they can uh, keep it up going into conference play because conference play is going to be harder. I mean, this year it's going to be brutal. And, you know, t- people are saying four-bid West Coast Conference. Realistically, it can't happen. Um, I think it's going to be three. And I only say this because West Coast Conference is going to beat themselves up. They're going to lose a lot of games to each other because every team's so good. Um, San Francisco, Santa Clara, they're going to be trouble in the West Coast Conference. They're going to make some noise. And then St. Mary's and BYU will take losses. And maybe I think this is the year Gonzaga takes a conference loss. I think they're going to lose one game there. So I think you're going to see the West Coast Conference kind of beat itself up and limit itself to only three wins. Santa Clara, last team we'll talk about. They went, they've been struggling, lost to Cal and Boise State and Louisiana Tech. Close game versus Louisiana Tech. Then they rattled off three wins versus, eh, not that good of teams. Still, three and three in the last six games. P.J. Pipes has struggled, but... Since you've seen him struggle, the bench players are starting to play better. They're bench guards. Carlos Stewart. Um, I heard from I heard from a source that he was the best player in their Santa Clara Oregon uh, Oregon scrimmage. I heard he's the best freshman. He looked good. He's starting to show that he is the gem of this recruiting class they brought in. And then Jordan Williams. Uh, he was playing good down the stretch for Santa Clara last year. So I had a lot of expectations for him coming in this year. 
he's starting to play better. He's starting to get um, his shot down, which is I think is important to have his three-point shooting off the bench, especially because the beginning of this year, Santa Clara really relied on just his starting five, which is um, unsustainable. You need some players off the bench that can give some scoring relief. And so Carlos Stewart and Jordan Williams, I think that's a big sign of things to come when they're starting to score. It's starting to give uh, Jalen Williams and Vrankic and some of the other players just some get them some relief and they don't have to be the have a scoring burden now on to the normally what i do recruiting not much has been happening since season's going on but what i did do this year is i did preseason predictions i uh wrote down every team's schedule before the year started and i wrote how i think they'll do and i didn't do terrible so far i'm 75 percent not the best not the worst um i had projected gonzaga go 12 and 1 BYU 14 and 1, LMU 10 and 2, St. Mary's 13 and 2, San Fran 13 and 1, Santa Clara 12 and 3, Portland 12 and 3, Pacific 7 and 7, San Diego 7 and 6 and Pepperdine 4 and 11. That was the order. I put them in preseason predictions how I thought they would end. I thought Gonzaga. So, I thought LMU was going to get third, thought Pepperdine last. So, I based them, but I mean, I really had these teams uh doing fantastic in a non-conference. So I wasn't too surprised when they jumped out to a non-conference like, and they were playing great, and every every uh, analyst is paying attention to West Coast Conference right now because they really are pushing for a 3-4 bid league. I don't think 4 will happen. 3 is more likely, a lot more likely. So, I mean, looking at that, I think uh, they've really done good work in non-conference. I mean, BYU has done fantastic, and Gonzaga, I wasn't too far off. San Francisco really is playing fantastic uh, basketball, and they're making me look good with that 13-1 prediction. Uh, St. Mary's 13-2. The only one I got, I think, a lot off. Well, LMU, 10-2. and two. Um, They're not looking anywhere near that. And then Portland, I th- I thought they are going to be the... Is that the seventh? Yeah, seventh. I thought they were going to get seventh in the conference. Uh, I had them going 12-3 and because, I, like I said, that non-conference was really weak. But uh, they've started to show cracks recently, um, and so they've dropped off. But, I mean, Pacific and San Diego are right there. Pepperdine, um, I was close with them. They've uh, won a couple more than I thought they would, actually. <laughs> so, But I, I feel like I underestimated them going into the year. So 75% on my preseason predictions, not terrible. I'll take that, um, especially given how just there's a lot of new players in the conference, uh, and I – just thought uh, we'd be a good conference this year. I thought it was looking like one of the strongest conference years uh, yet, and they have performed up to that, so not bad. And then getting into the top 10, I didn't say at the beginning, but the top 10 for this week is my top 10 coaches in the West Coast Conference. Uh, this will get a little bit, uh, you know, you can disagree, agree with it, controversial, but uh, I think this is how I see it. Number one, we'll start off with number one. Mark Few, Gonzaga. I mean, I don't think you can deny he's the best coach in the West Coast Conference uh, with what he's done in the last 20-plus years for Gonzaga. Uh, he's been fantastic. Got him to the tournament every year. He's coached. I mean, they're another top-five team this year. He's just a fantastic coach. Recently got selected for Team USA, uh, which is a big honor, and congrats to him. So Mark Few, number one. Number two. I struggle with this. It's It was between Mark Pope and Randy Bennett. I went with Randy Bennett. What he's done at St. Mary's has been fantastic. 
I don't want to take anything away from what Mark Pope has done. Mark Pope in his three years at BYU has looked like one of the best coaches in the country. But what ultimately won me over in putting Randy Bent is just how long. And I really wanted to put Mark Pope second. I just couldn't. Randy Bent has been fantastic in St. Mary's. Um, what he's done there, getting as many 20 win, you know, he's on pace for it again, but 20 win seasons and getting them so to a tournament or NIT. He's really pushed, been one of the few coaches in this conference to push Gonzaga. And he's been fantastic. Um, so I gave Randy Bennett it over the fact that he's had a lot more experience in the West Coast Conference and a lot more experience coaching. And so his accolades compared to Mark Pope, I just gave it to him. But Mark Pope is going to pass Randy Bennett soon. I'm sorry. Randy Bennett's a great coach. Mark Pope, incredible coach. Uh, he is a top coach in the entire nation. What he's done at BYU in his three years have been fantastic. Um, getting him to attorney what should have been twice already. I they That year, that 2019-2020 year, I thought they were uh, good enough to be an Elite Eight team. I really did. With their three-point shooting and the, the talent they had, that team was incredible. Uh, they were very good. And to do that in your first year coaching was fantastic feat by Mark Pope. When they had Yoli Childs, they only lost, I think it was like two or three games. I mean... They were really good. And then Brigham Young, BYU last year made the tournament. Uh, this year, they're supposed to make the tournament again. Mark Pope had them all the way up to 12th. Some injuries hit. They've dropped one, two now. I still think uh, BYU, they're going to make the tournament. So Mark Pope, three for three on tournaments. Um, if they were in the conference longer, give him like two more years. If he makes tournament in those two more years, I mean, Mark Pope would pass Randy Bennett, I think. But both are fantastic coaches. Um, I think they're they're the clear top three in this conference. Not saying the other ones aren't very good. West Coast Conference has some of the best coaches, top to bottom, I think, in any league. Uh, they're really good. Um, but these three are all fantastic coaches. Uh, I think they're a step above the rest. All great. But Mark Pope, yes. I, 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 not a bad thing to say about Mark Pope. He's a great dude. Can't wait to see what he does in the Big 12. Now, on number four, Todd Golden. Um, he's one of the youngest coaches in college basketball. San Francisco this year is fantastic. I think last year, last year was a little bit of just, I think COVID got to him. They didn't have a big. His first year in the conference, they were fantastic. I mean, I thought with Minlin, they were just really good. They pushed Gonzaga both times they played. And then this year, 11-1. and one. Last year, yeah, they didn't do too good. But Todd Golden, his analytic approach is good. I mean, I, what you want to see from him is starting to get some recruits going. And he did with uh, Bryce Botchin. I think Bryce Botchin is going to be very good for San Francisco. It's a recruit they normally don't bring in. Super athletic guard um, on a very good preps team. Um, so you want to see him start to recruit um, – and I know they go transfer heavy, but see them recruit some uh, maybe local NorCal guys. I mean, you got some momentum going. Uh, I think the next step for Todd Golden is starting to get some of those guys from around San Francisco that are ranked, bring them to the program. Uh, it's harder because, you know, that whole area has Stanford, St. Mary's. I mean, there's a lot of good teams in that area to try and recruit with, against. But, I mean, build off the momentum he's getting. And he's a younger coach, relate to him. But he's been fantastic on the court analytics driven approach it's been working i mean 11 and 1 this year and his first year coaching he was really good 
I think he's a fantastic coach. And right now he has the four spot. Once Mark Pope leaves, he might he'll go to the three spot. So he's a great coach. San Francisco got a great hire there. Number five, Herb Sendek. Herb has turned around, I think, uh, Santa Clara these last two years. Two, three. They've been good. Um, just a very team that's been stuck in the middle of the conference, but Herb Sendek is a good coach, came over from Arizona State, but last year, yeah, 12-8 and eight weren't that great, but, I mean, 20-13 and 13 the year before, they were good then. He's been solid middle of the pack every year, but this year, I mean, the team's good, I think, and he's going to get better. He's starting to recruit more actively, and the Santa Clara, I mean, I think they're going to start, they recently redid their facilities, they're going to start recruiting better. And then you're going to see really Herb start take off and um, I think push Santa Clara. I think they have potential to be a top four team in the conference consistently. I think they're going to start. They have the facilities, the location. Now they just need to start recruiting those players. And uh, once you get one and they do good, it's easier to get the next. Um, so I'm looking out for Herb going into the future. Number six, Lorenzo Romar, one of the best recruiters in the conference, uh, probably number two right behind Mark Pope and Mark Few. But uh, Lorenzo Romar can recruit. I mean, it's shown in the freshman he has. My only issue with him is just as a coach, eh. He's he's definitely a player's coach um, rather than a, you know, in-game manager. Um, he gets his guys fired up for big games, but for, you know, ones against teams that they should – beat or should do better against they struggle against i mean i thought last year you had two nba talents and kessler edwards and colby ross and the year before that you had the same um one of those years they should have been really pushing for oh maybe a bubble maybe a bubble i'm not saying they get in the tournament but at least you know pepperdine's on the mind i think with the talent they had um but they didn't i think they will with these three freshmen I'm really high on these three freshmen. When I think they definitely have the talent now that if they don't push for a tourney bid at some point in the next four years, that's when I start to worry. Because, um, I mean, he's bringing in some great recruits. And even next year, he's got uh, one of the Porter brothers coming in. So the talent's there. Now you really have to see... I mean, the same thing as at Washington. He was getting great players, but they never made the tournament that often. So you really want to see him start to show recruiting success into in-game success uh so we'll see how he does i'm six now but i mean if he starts to turn that around he can easily jump i think all the way up to even three after mark pope leaves um number seven shantae leggins great coach from eastern washington uh he's came in and already got portland more wins than at all during the porter era not saying much because porter was not a good coach at all um and didn't even recruit well but Shante hit the hit the recruiting ground hard, got transfers. Um, really is starting to recruit Oregon, which is what a Portland coach needs to do. They need to recruit Oregon. There's talent there that is not being found, and so good for him. I think he's doing the right things at Portland to turn it around. And he made the turning last year. Uh, he just brings a he's a good players coach, but also good coach. I mean, just good in-game coach, knows how to get his players uh, developed over the game, over the year, or over the years. I mean, 
really one of the best at player development, and that was shown at Eastern Washington. He was fantastic there at that, and that's something you have to learn how to do, and retaining players. Not very many players transferred out of his program. Uh, they recognized that, hey, I'm going to get better here. So Shante Leggins is a very good coach. I was very excited about the hire when Portland got him, and so far I wouldn't say he's been um, performing exceptionally, I think, doing um, what he needs to do, getting wins, and um, really trying to get that fan base back up back up and supporting them. Uh, number eight, Stan Johnson. Stan Johnson is one of the best at social media. I've said that earlier, but how he is so good at getting the fans and everyone excited, which is something LMU needed because there was no fan base uh, like that was still active there. I mean, after Dunlap was there, I mean, they just weren't that exciting of a team. And I, you didn't really just... LMU didn't try and interact with the fans, but Stan Johnson's done such a good job of getting fans to games, uh, trying to interact with them, and really being um, a f- social force for them, which is what they need to get some renewed energy there. And then he's a great player person. Um, he's great with the players, obviously, recruiting that LA area like Leggins is doing. I think Leggins and Stan Johnson are uh, similar in a lot of ways, but... Stan Johnson just hasn't had the on-court. Uh, last year, fourth-place finish, really good, yes. And this year, um, you know, high expectations. Haven't quite met him. Haven't been awful, though. Better than what a normal LMU team would be. I'll give him that uh, in the past. But he just doesn't have the resume of Lagan so far. Lagan's made the tournament. Um, just has a little bit more experience. So Stan Johnson, I have my eighth. But I see those two very similarly um, in regards of how they how they go about um getting a fan base and recruiting locally. So I I want to see Stan Johnson really I would like to see how he develops his players over, you know, that he's recruiting. Lamage Lewis is someone that has a lot of potential along with uh James Nobles and David Elliott. So it'll be interesting to see how they develop over the over the course of their years and along with some of the other players they brought in some transfers who next year i mean who's gonna step up next year with uh eli scott gone so it'll be interesting to see uh how stan johnson does there but i thought that was a really good hire um he's been exactly what lmu has needed number nine we got sam shoals sam shoal from san diego uh his first year he's fantastic i mean he was left with a good team pinheiro and um olin carter they were really good. Hasn't quite had the success from there yet, but I mean, this year's a big turnaround. I mean, when you have not as the talent level they've had on their last two teams have not been there. And uh the biggest turnaround is defensively. I mean, which is I like to see. I mean, last two years before this year in the 266 and 311th in defense, and now they're 23rd. Um, the talent he's identified that the transfer portal is how useful the transfer portal is and seeing that I think he can kind of build off of it in the following years I mean his first year his team built off transfers next two didn't really kind of build off transfers and then this year went back to building off transfers and you've seen success and you know as a coach you want to find something that works for you and I think that's something that can work for Sam Scholl and so I'm excited to see him and you know it's it's tough trying to get in a ton of players and make them all work together, but they've done well. And um, seeing him do it this year, it gives me confidence that he can do it 
more and more. And that can be his thing, you know, transfers rather than uh, getting, you know, some local recruits. And even though he also got the highest ranked recruit San Diego's ever got in the Wayne McKinney, and he's going to be fantastic for him. And so Sam Scholl, I think he's a good coach. Uh, he's starting to figure it out and really figure out how he wants to build his program with the players he's getting, not with the players that were left with him. And so, I mean, depending on how this year goes, if I think if they finish sixth uh, or se- uh, or seventh, I think you keep going with him because, see, he's starting to finally figure out, I think, how he wants his teams to be. Number 10, we have Leonard Perry, used to coach at Idaho, assistant coach at Pacific, and now he is the head coach at Pacific. I think... I know Pacific fans have not been happy with him so far, but I really think it's too early to tell. Um, so far, yeah, hasn't been too impressive and um, hasn't been exciting to watch, but I think that you have to give a coach at least two years unless they're tremendously terrible, and I don't think Leonard Perry is tremendously terrible. So I, I think they should definitely stick with him. I mean, just there's not... He's not a bad coach, but um, you some some might say he's he was just forced into the situation. I don't think Pacific was necessarily their first thought or first like if they had the whole off season, it would have been their first hire. So um, I think that he's done good for what he's been forced into, and that I mean it's hard to come into a season. You're right, right last second. You you just learn you have to coach these guys and um instill what you want onto them like how you want to play it can be tough uh, especially when they're recruited to play for someone else um so we'll see how he does next year and who he retains but just just like san diego they're a team that's really built off transfers they have to play the transfer portal they aren't recruiting too many players to pacific um so they do juco and they do transfers and it's hard to get a ton of those players to meld so we'll see how he does in the future but Top to bottom, West Coast Conference is blessed to have so many good coaches. Um, it's just such a good conference, and I think it's part of the reason you've seen these teams start to invest more in their teams for basketball. And as a result, you're getting better coaches because they see, hey, these teams are investing, putting more money into the program. I th- can take them to a higher level. And so the future of the West Coast Conference is bright. I mean, when you got this much talent and teams are starting to play better, you're starting to get better facilities. I mean, there's only one way to go. Um, So the future, even though BYU is leaving, the future is bright. And who knows what other team they'll add. They're going to add someone. So we'll have more teams to root for. I'll have more teams to root for and more teams to pay attention to. So uh, I'm excited for the future of this conference. But coaches this year have been fantastic. And I think you've seen that so far with the results. Um, You've seen teams playing above expectations according to outsiders, but for people that pay attention to your own team, you know they were going to be good this year. Thank you for listening. This was episode three. I will be back on every Thursday. Hopefully I will be getting my, you know, weekly West Coast Roundup on uh, episode in. And then also for the future or for this Thursday, I will be doing another top 10 to make up for my lack of episodes in the last weeks. And I'll do a short little recap of what's happened. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. Bye.